0: Hey, good morning, church. So good to be with you guys. Uh, Props, because today we have a very special opportunity to be a part with TFH San Francisco. So I want to thank Pastor Tim, Pastor Robin, uh, for inviting me to come and share with you guys today. I want my church to be involved with it as well. So TFH Oakland, we're going to join with you guys. Uh, We're going to segue from our sermon series called The Table. And today we're actually going to join with TFHSF as they're in their series called Vintage Church. And we're going to look at a couple of verses of scripture. And today my My goal, my objective is to convince you that you have access to one of the most powerful tools to Christians, to believers. You know, there's two things that when it comes to being in church for a long period of time where people know they're supposed to do or wish they did more of them, more of it. And that's probably prayer and money. People kind of get weird. Prayer is one of those things where it's like, man, I've prayed. I know I should pray more. I don't pray enough. But today I want to get a new glimpse, a new perspective. And I want to look at the church and how God calls us to pray, especially in this hour. And so already to get started, we have some of our church family with, them, so with us. So I'm gonna say amen. Everybody can say amen. amen. Just, yeah, exactly. Now we're starting to come back together. But if you guys got your Bibles, feel free to open up in the top. The, today's session is gonna be called Devoted, Devoted. If you guys got your Bibles, Acts 2. Uh, Verse 40, we'll jump in and read in just a minute. But as I was praying and preparing for this, I was reminded about a time uh, when actually before I got married, when my wife and I started dating. And April 27th, believe this or not, we have been together for seven years of marriage. Seven years of marriage already completed. That deserves some props. That deserves something. Yes, that deserves something. Seven years of marriage. Uh, We've just completed that, which is awesome. And I remember when we first started dating, uh, that was an incredible experience. My wife would probably say otherwise. But when we started dating, you know, we would get dressed up. And our first date, you may not know this, our first date was probably the worst date. I actually had food poisoning on our first date. Had cold chills. Took my wife to the worst restaurant you can go to to watch the worst movie we could have watched. But yet, here we are, two babies, look at us go. God can, won't he do it? He can do anything. But that dating experience was so formidable for our relationship. And I remember when we started dating, and I remember actually our first date was March 23rd. I took uh, our official date when we became boyfriend and girlfriend. Took Lonnie to Santa Cruz because she had never been to Santa Cruz. So I picked her up from work, drove her down to the beach to say, yeah, uh uh-huh. This is what it looks like to be with Big Daddy, girl. Uh, And and that convinced her. That got her. I got her on the hook, reeled her in. And then after we dated, we got married, we set our vows. Uh, In our first year of marriage, 2014, October 8th, our first baby was born. Viviana came in, and I remember driving home, and my wife and I made this commitment. She said, I will nurse, but you got to change them diapers. So every night... Two o'clock in the morning, I would wake up and I would change them dirty diapers. And for some of you, you're like, you a sucker. No, man. Happy wife. You know the rest. So literally, we went from dating, marriage to diapers. And then there's been seasons of our marriage where it's been conflict. There's been times where we're like, man, this is exhausting, this is painful. There's been times where we just felt like we have to give and take and all of the things about being in a healthy, growing, real relationship. But there are these moments that I love that they are the devoted moments. There are moments where we just look at each other and we're reminded not only of our vows, but our love, our intensity, why we love each other. Still to this day, my wife will ask me, why do you love me? And I've always am conflicted with that. I'm like, by now you should know, if you don't know. Anyway, but by now I would think she would know why I love her, because she's my best friend. But sometimes we miss that in our relationship. And I think what has kept our marriage strong is those previous components mentioned. We still go on dates. I still change diapers, quote unquote, because you never stop dating. You never stop pursuing your spouse. You never stop changing diapers. Diapers are just a metaphor. For those that are looking to be in a relationship, you will have to take out the trash. There are things you do that you may not like to do, but it helps to keep your marriage healthy. But you have to realize that there is a rhythm to any relationship about being devoted. And the reason why I say this is not to give you a talk about love or a conversation of how to have a healthy, you know, marriage, but it's to make a foundation and to clarify a concept that really bears true to our relationship with God. There are moments where we're in experiences with our relationship with God, where we feel like, man, I'm quote unquote, dating God. I'm in a relationship, it's mutual, beneficial. Things are great, it's awesome. I feel blessed, I feel loved. And there's moments in our relationship with God where we feel like, man, I'm just going through the motions. I feel like I'm serving. I feel like I'm just doing what I have to do. And then there are those moments where we are devoted, where we are literally coming to God with this pure, raw love and devotion, just wanting to be with God just wanting to spend time with God, and we're fighting to make sure that our our, our devotion remains pure. This morning, as we're unpacking what does it look like to have a devoted life of prayer, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the condition of your devotion to God right now? How are you viewing your relationship with God? You see, when we jump into Acts chapter 2, this was an amazing moment, and I love this, because in Acts chapter 2, this is where the church was born. This was vintage church, the real church. This is where the, the foundation, the blueprints of the church, and in Acts 2.40, before we get to this monumental moment, there were a group of 120 people for 10 days straight that were praying, fasting, and crying out to God. Now, uh, the theologians believe that there wasn't a house, but they probably were in the temple, in the courtyards of the temple, and they were praying and they were crying out to God. Imagine 120 people gathering together 10 days straight, crying out to God with that intensity. They didn't know what was going to happen, what it was going to look like, but they were just convinced that Jesus had told them to do something and they literally rallied together. Imagine what it would have felt like to wake up that morning, that first day of seeking after God, just believing that God's going to show up and literally going to bed the night and then waking up the next morning with that fatigue and maybe just excited and just wanting to go back into the temple and pray. And you see your friends and people that have been following Jesus and you guys are all coming together with this intensity, and I'm sure it probably smelled weird. I don't know if DoorDash was around at that time, but I know that that would have been an intense moment in time. But what was the the aftershock when the Holy Spirit came in and breathed on the church, and these men and women were filled with the power of God? And in Acts 2.40, it says this, that, that Peter stands up after the power of God, the Holy Spirit shows up. They begin to pray in the Spirit. They begin to pray in tongues. People get saved. And Peter stands up in verse 40, and he says this, with many other words, he he wanted them, and he pleaded them, warned them and pleaded them with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. In verse 42, they devoted to continue. They they, they were steadfast. They were attentive. But it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. That didn't seem very convincing. Prayer. Yeah, that's better. Verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I love that the common denominator through all of these verses is that food was involved. Yes and amen. Praising God and enjoying the favor for all of the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What would it have felt like, have looked like to be a person in this moment of history? To imagine that, I want you to feel that, to know that these men and women gathered together for 10 days straight, praying and seeking God, and God shows up. 3,000 people get saved. And they continue to gather together in this sweet, organic, simplistic way of wanting to be close to God. This was something amazing. This is something that I think we should go after and want more of, the simplicity of being devoted to God. And here's the big idea this morning. A devoted life of prayer is ignited by the word. It inspires others and it initiates a partnership with God. I'm gonna say that again because as we're talking about prayer, because as we unpack this, this is something that we need. Our nation needs this. Our churches need this. We need this. A life of devoted prayer, literally it is ignited by the word of God. It inspires others and it initiates a partnership with God. Let's jump into our text. It says, first thing, a devoted life of prayer is ignited by the word. And when you see this in Acts chapter two, verse one, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of the rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared to them divided tongues as of fire one sat upon each other. Literally what got them to this moment, the day of Pentecost, that's what we have to ask ourselves. What convinced them to gather for 10 days straight praying and fasting? A word. Jesus, before he ascended, he said, wait for power on high, go to Jerusalem, go into the place, and I will show you. And Jesus, that had lived a full life, 30 years, dedicated to God, his immaculate conception, he sat under the teaching and the leadership of his his earthly father and mother, Joseph and Mary, grows up, brings his disciples, gathers 12 men who were incompetent, but they were filled with the power of God, and they begin to change the world. And Jesus, after experiencing a crucified life, He dies on the cross for our sins. That man and God are no longer separated. And Jesus says, go and wait. And they do it. I don't know about you, but if God told me to wait for 10 days and I don't know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, there would be a little bit of of, of angst, a little bit of anxiety of like, man, could you imagine being in that room with 120 people for 10 days, just waiting on God? Bro, you sure Jesus said that? Did you hear him cry? You know, did he get a text or something? But for 10 days, they wait, they pray, they worship. Could you imagine if other Jewish believers who do not follow Jesus walked in the colonnade of the temple that day and saw young and old crying out to God? And people probably would look from afar and be like, what's wrong with these people? But it was the word the word ignited a passion inside of them that they were convinced. The Bible says that faith comes from hearing and hearing of the word of God and faith is produced by the word of God. So if we are going to be people that are devoted to prayer and understanding how God works in the kingdom of God and how we can partner with him. A vibrant prayer life is ignited by the word. You see this in Acts two forty two. It says, Then they continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and the breaking of bread and in prayer. What was preceded by prayer? The word of God they begin to study it, they begin to look at it, they begin to watch it, they begin to read it, they begin to hear it, and it puts something inside of them that they wanted to engage with God. I've learned this in my life. I cannot go more than a couple of days without having the word of God in my heart, reminding myself of his principles, of his truths, and what it does, it triggers a desire to want to know God more, and it moves me to prayer. I'll give you an analogy because that helps me to understand these things. I don't know about you, but hopefully you love barbecue. I love barbecue. More than just asparagus on the grill with some olive oil and sea salt, I want some ribs. Trying to lay off that pulk, but I want some ribs. I want brisket. I love barbecue. And traditionally, we understand that barbecue comes in a few concepts, but primarily you get some charcoal, you get some lighter fluid, you ignite the grill, you slap some steaks on it. That's how it works. But if you're an expert of queuing, you understand, it's not just what you put on the grill, but it's actually how you get the grill going. See, if you are a mesquite artist, if I could use that terminology, you understand that it's even about the type of wood. It's about the fuel that you use to get that fire going. Specific woods, if you use cherry wood or different kinds of wood, that will actually provide you an even flame so you can get those char marks on that stake. I say this not to make you salivate for some barbecue or some ribs, but the principle is this. The fuel that we use for prayer is the word of God. And many times when we're saying that this concept of prayer, many times when people are, they run to prayer, they're fueled by crisis. That it's crisis that, that's driving in the prayer. It's, it's, it's this concern. It's something that's so wrong that's moving them to prayer. But just like a grill, it's not just what you put on there, but it's how you get that thing going that actually will affect, and we as God's people cannot be fueled by crisis, and that's the only time that we pray. There's got to be something else that is actually driving the flame and the intensity and the devotion of our love for God, and it is deeply seated and rooted in his word that God's word triggers something inside of our soul. It convicts us. There are moments in my life where I'll read the word of God and I realize there's idols in my life, there's areas of brokenness in my life, there's pride and arrogance in my life, and it moves me, it convicts me, and it pushes me to come back to a place where I says, I need Jesus, I need God. It creates a deep desire for more. Get into the word and it will cause you to pray. I will even say this, if there's areas where you're struggling with and you feel frustrated, have you ever thought about taking the word of God and praying the scriptures out? There are moments where I literally would just open up the book of Psalms and pray out Psalms. There are things that we need in our nation and we need to go to God's word, begin to say, God, what do you say? What do you think about this? And let's pray these things out. The second thing that we have to get in this season is this, a devoted life of prayer inspires others. Verse 43, it says this, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions, goods, divided them among them all as anyone had need. So continually, daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread, house to house, the simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church Daily, those who are being saved. When there is an insatiable, devoted life of seeking after God, it's contagious. It gets the attraction of people. Just think about this moment and feel this, this vintage church. These men and women were sacrificing everything that they had, laying it down before God, anything they had access to. They gave it freely. They were just like, if you need it, I got it. You got it. I need it. Let's be a family. Let's serve God together. But this desire, this this devoted life inspired others and people were attracted to it and drawn to it. See, there's something that happens in the context of prayer that actually inspires those that are looking at your life. There've been a number of moments where I've been in prayer, and I want you to understand this, that there've been moments where I've been in prayer and I just doubted God. It actually was a couple of months ago, really right when, right before corona hit, uh, we were in the process of purchasing a home and Terrell and I, we were praying and we were worshiping together and I Facetime Terrell and we started praying. And I just was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen. I quit. I give up. I'm done. I'm tired. And here's something that happened that literally when we started praying, faith began to fortify my heart. Terrell said something to me and he says, you know what, man? If God told you to do it, go after it. And something happened. You know, Paul says this, he says, there's three things that will remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And what happens in prayer is this, is that we come to God in faith. But in that moment, when we're in prayer, it creates hope in our hearts, where God begins to remind us of who he is. And then we begin to move out of that place of hope into action and people begin to see the love of God evident in our lives. And when people say, man, how is that possible? We can give God glory because we said, there were moments when I doubted, But when I stepped into the presence of God, it produced hope in my heart because it was inspired by his word and I was able to walk and accomplish what he called me to do. And it inspires others. And what if we, as God's people in this moment, lived a life of sensational prayer to God when we came to him and our hearts were laid before him and all of the doubt and the fear that anxiety, rather than going to social media for the cure, we went to God and God produced hope in our hearts. And we were able to walk out in love, and the world would be inspired by the church. You see, there is no greater cure for what's going on in our world right now than the presence of God. There is no cure, whether it comes from corona or cure for racism, there is no remedy other than God, because what the world needs now is not just love, it needs Jesus And the acts, the vintage church modeled what it looked like. You know, there was unity that was in prayer. And this is what we need. And when you live a life that's inspired, that's ignited by the word of God, and you pursue God, it inspires others. And you share this contagious fire because God never called for us to do it alone. And the third thing is this, a devoted life of prayer initiates God to partner with you at any time. Now, I want to read these verses of Scripture because I think this is the fun part right here. But it says this in Acts 3.1. It says, one day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. Everybody say that, at the time time of prayer. I like it. At three in the afternoon. Now, a man was lame from birth and carried being carried to the temple gate, beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked for money, but Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them, and then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And it says, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet, began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. I love this. Because this is what a devoted life of prayer looks like. We could imagine, it's probably safe to say, that Peter and John, these disciples of Jesus, had a schedule of meeting God in prayer. If you were a Jew at that time, there were these scheduled moments of prayer. There were actually written out prayers that you would go through. But Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray, and God interrupts them. I'm convinced of this, that if we live a life that is connected with God. And we're asking God, we're partnering with God that God is going to interrupt our lives. God will use prayer and use people of prayer to create a divine connection with him. And God will interrupt your schedule, your calendar, and God will begin to use you in miracles and signs and wonders because that's the kind of God that he is. But God is always looking for people that are devoted to him. I wanna be the type of person that God can interrupt me and have access to my calendar. I want God to have access to every area of my life. And what we see through the life of Peter and John is that as they're on their way to the temple to pray, this beggar who has nothing, he's sick, and Peter extends his hand and pulls this man up. And by the power of God, this man is strengthened and becomes whole and healed in that one moment. God does a miracle. And I almost, not almost, I do feel that this is exactly the the kind of picture and imagery that we need in our life. Could we be the kind of people that are devoted to God in such a way that we can extend our hands to heaven and that heaven can actually be transferred through our lives? Can heaven actually intersect to earth through us? And I believe it's through God's people when they rise up and begin to say, God, I want you to have access to my life in every area. You see, when we pray, people in this season right now have a misinterpretation of what prayer is and what it's not. Prayer is not, God, you go do it. Prayer is, God, how do you want to do it? If I can quote the great prophet Tupac, how do you want it? That's what God wants us to see, prayer. Prayer is not us saying, God, you go do these things, you go do these. There's an aspect of that, but there's a partnership that happens in prayer where we extend ourselves and we say, God, you have access to me. However you want to use me, I am available. And there's something that is so powerful about prayer because prayer positions us to be interrupted by God. Here's what we have to get. Every king, every leader in the Bible, they did this strategy. It wasn't just the horses or the chariots or the resources that they had, but what they did do, they asked God. The Bible would say, David inquired of the Lord. Joshua inquired of the Lord. Do you know for Esther to see reform at a judicial level that there were people who were praying and fasting? Her cousin Mordecai, that said, Esther, weren't you brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? And Esther being back, by the prayers, by the power of God, stands before the king and literally sees a calamity, sees death that was set towards God's people become lifted and destroyed. And then why? Because there were people that began to inquire of God. There were people that were devoted to prayer. There were people that saw the power of prayer and people are going to say to the church, why are you still praying? Why? Can't we do more? Yes. Yes. But whatever is initiated by the flesh has to be sustained by the flesh. See, we don't go to prayer just to tell God to go do things. We go to prayer to get God's heart, his mentality, his strategy, that when we do step on the battlefield, we are prepared because we know that we're backed by heaven. You see, prayer is not for babbling. Prayer is for battling. The weapons of our warfare, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, they're not carnal, but they're powerful. They're mighty for tearing down strongholds. And one of the things that we, we think that strongholds are just some fortress, but the Bible actually says that strongholds are arguments, they're opinions that have been fortified in people's minds and it established their ideologies and their belief systems. So we have to understand the reason why racism is still running rampant is not just because we have cameras, but it's because it's a stronghold that has been in our nation that has caused division and it is backed by demonic ideology. And if the church will rise up just like Peter on the way to the temple and say, God, it's not about money. It's not about resources, but it's about heaven intersecting and touching earth. We can come against these idols. We can come against these strongholds and we can see healing happen to our nation. Strongholds are not just demonic activity, but they're literally portals from the enemy, from the kingdom of darkness that have been established in certain regions, and it governs the way that people think. Just like this beggar that was looking for alms, looking for a handout, but God says, I want to do more than just fix your brokenness at a financial level. I want to heal you at at an internal level. I want the mentality to be broken. Racism is a stronghold. And the reason why the church must pray is because we understand this is where the power of God resides. You see, there are demonic ideologies backed up by the kingdom of darkness that occupy spaces, that occupy regions. And when the church takes her rightful place, when the people of God, like the vintage church, begin to cry out, begin to walk with an awareness initiated, ignited by the word of God. When they, they live a life that's on fire and other people see the goodness of God on their lives and they create this partnership with heaven that God has access. You see, when you give access to God, when you give access to every area of your life, I believe God says you have access to me. To the degree that you're open and exposed to God, This is a degree that we have access because God is not just looking for pawns. He's looking for sons and daughters that are convinced about his kingdom. And this is why we must pray. This is why and how the church must take her place. And for our church, we know that this is the key. And much like this for TFA San Francisco, you know that this is a key. Your pastors, Tim and Robin, fought hard and long to be able to see prayer be a backbone, the vertebrae of the house of God. When Jesus flipped over temples, he was convinced that there was racial reconciliation that was going to take place. But the most important thing that Jesus was looking for was for all the nations to gather to be in a house of prayer. And we need that. And for our church, for TFH Oakland, this is something that we're pursuing. This is something that we're running after. And this is something that we're going to begin to continue to create and say, God, how can we bring the church together through prayer? But it starts with us on an individual level. So what's the next steps for us personally? The first thing is this. How do you live a life of devoted prayer? First thing is prioritize it. Set a time and a space to be able to pray. We like to say, put God first. Every morning, put God first pray. And if you don't know how to pray, Matthew chapter six is great text to be able to go into prayer and begin to say, God, how am I supposed to do it? The second thing is this, is partner up. Find somebody because there are moments when we get tired, we get weary, partner up. It's like, even I've had partners that I pray with and initiated and people that hold me accountable say, hey man, we need to pray because God called us to pray together. And here's the last thing is this, is pursue God. I don't think prayer is just limited to one particular time in space, though we need that. But I was just laughing because there are moments where literally I'll just be walking and I'll just be like, Jesus. And Lonnie be like, why are you? What? Because I just need him. We were out at a granite store and I'm like, Jesus, I need you. Why? Because there's something in my soul that just longs to be connected with God. And I don't want to be the kind of Christian that only loves God in certain areas, in certain environments. I want a connection with God that whether I'm at the Granite Store, I'm at Target, or I'm with my daughters, there's just something in my heart that just, Jesus! Why? Because I want that light. I want him to be close to me. And in your life, I would encourage you, just call in the name of Jesus where you are. Paul said to pray without ceasing. And I think if we're going to see the change, if we're going to be the change, it's rooted in prayer. The last thing is this, prayer is one of those things where we feel like, man, I, I I know I need to do more of it. And I just want to remove that. Can we get to the place where it's not just the diaper duty, it's not even just dating, but it's this pure devotion that we just love God and we just want to be close to him and we want to draw near to him. And I want two, two prayers that I want to pray today is this, is that maybe you've lost your first love. Maybe you feel like you've just gotten tired, growing weary and doing good. I want to pray that God will restore your devotion to him and bring you back to this real, pure, genuine, intimate desire to be close to him. And that second prayer is this. Maybe you're far away from God and you need him prayer, even the Bible says that confess them mouth, believe in your heart, shall be saved. That a prayer can be the jumper cables to igniting your relationship with God. And I wanna pray for us. I wanna pray with you right now. If you bow your heads, Father, we come to you right now and we declare, Lord, prayer is the key. We ask, Lord, that our hearts would be open and tuned to you. And Lord, if we've grown weary in this season and we've forgotten our first love, We repent and we ask, Lord, that you restore our hearts. God, we want to be close to you. Lord, I pray that more, not just posting, but Lord, there would be deep-rooted prayers, realizing that what we're coming against in our nation, Lord, the key is you. We need strategy from heaven. And I pray, Lord, restore our souls to our first love. Lord, we repent. Anything that we've put before you, we repent of it in Jesus' name. The second group of people, maybe you're far away from God, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Father, I need you. I want to give you my life. I surrender my heart to you. Lord, my future is in your hands. All of my past mistakes, I ask for your forgiveness. And if you pray that prayer for the first time, I know Pastor Robin is going to jump in in just a little bit and just give you some instructions. But if we're going to be the vintage church I wanna call you to continue to be people of prayer. Let's live a life that's devoted to God and putting him first. And I believe that in this season, God is gonna give us strategy. God is gonna give us influence. God is going to open up the windows of heaven in such a way that the church can operate in the original power of miracles and signs, but it starts in prayer. So I just wanna say thank you. Thank you, Pastors Tim and Robin for having me come and join you guys. We love you knowing that God's gonna do amazing things and we will see you soon, hopefully in person. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.